Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I have a great interview lined up for you guys this week. I have Christina Lynn here. Christina is a certified financial planner, an accredited financial counselor, certified divorce financial analyst, certified estate planner, as well as a doctoral student and a mother of two. Christina's mission is to educate and empower women to achieve long-term financial success. As I mentioned, she's a busy mom of two, but she also finds time to run Spartan races, travel, and watch telenovelas. So we had just such a great, fun mom-to-mom conversation, woman-to-woman conversation, and it was just so great to hear from someone who is a certified financial planner, a credited financial counselor, really agree with a lot of the mindsets and perspectives that we talk about here on the podcast. So she has been featured on numerous news outlets, numerous TV appearances, and I am just so grateful that she took time out of her busy schedule to hang out here with us on the podcast. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you guys that I have a brand new surprise for you guys. I just got done creating a brand new freebie of a net worth template worksheet. So it is very similar to my full digital budgeting system that I have created recently, but This is just for your net worth and it's completely free, but it's very automated. It's color coordinated and pretty just like my other worksheets and it is hosted through Google Sheets. So stay tuned through the episode and I'm gonna tell you how you can get this net worth worksheet for free. All right, you guys, let's jump into the interview. Hey everyone, welcome back to another interview. I am so excited to share this interview with you guys today with Christina. And we have been trying to get together for the past couple of months really. And I'm so excited to finally be sitting down with her and sharing this conversation. So welcome Christina and let us know a little bit more about yourself. Oh, thanks. Hey, Sammy. I'm really happy to be here. Um, So I'm a certified financial planner. Um, I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but I I work with people across the United States. Um, So, and I came to the financial planning world really um, because of kind of a crazy backstory. I I was pretty blind to my my personal finances. I was married for a while, and um, I, my husband took care of all the finances. And so when I when I went through a really tough divorce, I found myself in financial difficulty. And so I had to take time to like figure out how I was going to support myself and my family, and also what I was going to do for a career. And I just took that and ran with it. And so that's how I kind of ended up where I'm at now. And um, I love what I do. I got my master's in this. I got like the top designations in the field. Um, And I also am now a doctoral student in personal financial planning. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I keep pretty busy. I'm a single mom too. So just, it's important to keep that as my focus. It's easy to get caught up in like how much fun I'm having with my career. 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, I was just like, was reading your bio and everything like prepping for the interview. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like single mom of two pursuing a PhD. Like that is intense. That has to be a lot. Like, how do you, how do you do all that? Yeah, it it is hard. I mean, I've been like kind of on the verge of tears with like trying to handle the PhD and my career and then also be like a present mom. So it is hard. I I feel like I get inspiration talking to other people who have done this. Like I, when I meet other moms who have gone through a PhD while working, I just am a magnet to them and I ask them their story, like, how did you do this? And just kind of hearing that they went through the journey successfully and they were able to do it gives me so much hope. And so I know that like, you know, they're just as human as I am. And if they were able to do it, I can do it too. So you just keep going along with the steps, never give up. And, um, you, you find a way. Yeah. That's the same way I am with like other homeschooling moms. I homeschool my three kids and I'm just like, I just, I have to look to other moms and I'm like, they're doing it. I can do it. Like, I know they're just as human as me and we just, we feed off of each other's energy, but then I'll have the same moms reach out to me and say, Oh, you're such an inspiration to me. I feed off of your energy. And so it's just a cycle of support and good energy and inspiration, which is like, that's one of the magics of the internet and social media is like using it for good. (laughs) Yes. Encourage each other. So I want to hear a little bit more about the divorce and that rock bottom and like the, the turning point and the moving forward after that. Yeah, it was, it was so hard. I was a stay at home mom. And, um, so I had that gap in my resume and it made starting back in the workforce really difficult. Um, because I had to start back at an entry level position. I couldn't get like, you know, what I thought I deserved because that, you know, we're just not on the same page as that, which I understand now that I'm in the, like back in the workforce, but it, it was really tough because I you had to start out at the bottom making minimum wage. And then you also have to handle um, the tough parts about just raising a young family with the demands of getting to work on time and the strictness of taking time off, you know, when you have sick kids or they need to go to the doctor or something. It was so hard. And I was going through like an adjustment financially I came from more of like a luxurious lifestyle being married to then eating beans and rice to get by. So, I mean, it was an adjustment on all fronts and it was brutal. And I would say um, the turning point for me was when my uncle, God bless him, Michael John, he, he, I was like crying all the time. I was emotionally a mess. And he looked at me and said to stop wallowing in my misery and I was so mad at him for saying that I could have decked him. But at the same time, like now looking back and seeing how that did kind of like shape my perspective, um, I, I was kind of like relishing in the poor me, like this isn't fair what's happening to me. There's so many unjust things going on around me. I don't even know how to like handle it. Um, he did make me kind of like step back and realize that 
my attitude wasn't helping me and it wasn't helping my kids. And so as soon as I stopped like feeling bad for myself and was like, okay, well, we're going to pick up the pieces from here and make the best I possibly can out of this mess. That is when things started to turn around. I ended up getting that entry level job and working my way up from that. I, you know, you, you start out in a new, like lower lifestyle than maybe what I would have wanted to at the age I was at. And you just start building from there. And I think that gave me a lot of grit to like start these things that maybe to other people seem like a lot to handle, like getting my master's, going for my doctorate, you know, doing all these things all at the same time. I just had made a mindset shift and it stuck. Like now I feel like pretty much in, invincible and like I can go after anything I can dream of. Yeah. That's what I say all the time. I'm always like, you know, we, we realize now looking back, like how much crap we've been through and we look back and we're like, come at me, like, come at me, bro. I've got, you know, like, like hit me with something that I can't conquer at this point. You know what I mean? Like it just gives you this like tenacity of, and I've been through way worse. (laughs) Yes, girl. That's right. And you know, you're just like, I don't know. It makes everything else seem so easy (laughs) by comparison after you've been through some Mm -hmm. of this like rock bottom stuff. Like it's hard. So hard. And so how, how old were your kids when, when all of this was happening? They were three and four. So they were just little tiny tots. Um, ages, period. (laughs) There's really no good age for it. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, as horrible as everything was, I'm actually really grateful for it because Mm -hmm. I now see looking back, like kind of the track I was on of being mediocre Mm -hmm. and that really tough kind of rock bottom stage I went through made me shift out of my mediocrity. Like I took a hard look at some of my personality strengths versus personality weaknesses and decided to just go full bore um, on my personality strengths and accept my weaknesses for what they are, but don't focus on them. And I don't think I would have gotten to that point in the track that I was on. So it's like, it's your choice to kind of look at the silver lining of these tough issues. And and that's what I chose to do. Um, and like you said, we all have these issues and it's a life changer when you um, kind of make that attitude shift. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to just look at it as, you know, it's a good challenge and life threw this hurdle at me and here we go. I guess we're going to overcome it. (laughs) And, you know, and I love what you say about like, you had to eat that humble pie. And like, that was like a, apart from your bio or whatever, when we were getting the outline together and I was like, I have to keep that. Like, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, it is like, I, we went through a lot of that in our own journey of like, that humble pie. Like, so tell us a little bit more about what that was really like and what it was like dealing with, you know, the comparison of society and that's tough. That's really tough. It was hard. Um, you know, I, I went, so I'm gonna, I'll just take my car for an example. Like I went from dri- driving a brand new Audi Q7, oh, then God. having no car, like I, I had zero car. And then I, I borrowed my parents, like 
20-year-old Subaru. And then I borrowed um, my aunt's like old car. And then I bought like a, a 10 or 12, 12-year-old Ford Focus. And then like, so it's just yeah, like yeah. baby steps back up. And now I'm at a Toyota Prius and I'm pretty happy with that. So, you know, like it, it was humble pie. It's being able to like really having to face the reality of that, really what status means to you. That's hard. But then you get over it and then you're like, you get past it and those things no longer define you. So it's that. It's also, you know, humble pie in the sense that like, you know, I can't give my kids everything that I would have liked to give them or maybe what their dad can afford to give them. And I'm okay with that. Like what I can offer is something really different that maybe money can't buy. Oh, I think it's just, you know, you've probably heard the saying that like you're, you know, the kids are usually as happy as their mom is. And I've heard that all the time. And I see that truth in my own kids. And I used to worry about the same thing. Like, what am I, what am I not going to be able to give them if we go on this journey and like, you know, downsizing in our house and driving older cars and like, are they going to be embarrassed? And are they going to, you know, what are they going to miss out on? And honestly, I have found that the happier I am, the happier they are. And it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what car we're driving, what house we live in, how, how fancy of food we're eating. If I'm happy, they're happy. Oh, I could not agree more, yeah. Sammy. And I, I see, I see that with my clients too. Like they're, they're so concerned about what they can leave to their kids, but then kind of t after talking with them, I see like how stressed out they are and like, they don't have the best depth of relationship and to help them see like, you know, leaving a legacy to your kids is one thing, but it's having a good relationship is like a whole nother thing. So it is so much in, in your attitude and like how you can, how happy you are is they pick up on that and they'll mimic that. So if you're like miserable and stressed out, your kids are going to be like that too. And I'm not saying I have it all figured out. I, this is something I need to work on daily to like not let my stress level be reflected in how I, I act around the house. But it, I do think that it's totally true. Yeah. And I think, gosh, it's true even in just little, the littlest things. Like for, for example, like last night, my oldest daughter and I went to Walmart alone and which is very, very rare. <laughs> and yeah you know, she was getting really tired and I was like, no, like we're, we're having fun. Like this is fun. And I kept my, my attitude upbeat and she in turn, like kept her, like her attitude. I saw her attitude shift when she was like, okay, no, we're supposed to be having fun. Like, it's okay. Like mom's uh -huh. in a good mood. This is fun. This is a treat to get to go to Walmart alone, you know? And it's just the littlest things. If you make it fun, you make it a positive experience they're going to mimic that. And that's the wonderful thing about kids is yeah. they will adapt and adjust like better than anybody. I totally agree. And I, I want, you're inspiring me to do that more on a daily basis. I feel like I'm more intentional about doing that when I'm on like a trip or something with them, but you know, I want to do that every day with them that I'm with them. So it's just the littlest things like as my, my older daughter is about to be nine and, you know, she's starting to get into that, like she pulls away sometimes. And so it's, you know, I want her to get too far. And so I catch myself like on our little Walmart trip, you know, just playing like her music 
and being silly with her in the car and like showing her that like I know the lyrics to Taylor Swift songs and Selena Gomez songs just like she does you know Mm -hmm. and you know just kind of keeping that attitude positive and fun and and they copy that and they you know I think that's more powerful than driving an Audi like you know they don't care they really don't care they well, want- they shouldn't if they do. <laughs> like, you have to teach them that, right? They, you teach them everything. Right. They just want, they want a mom that's happy and yeah. they want to, you know, that's the most important thing. So what are some other kind of mindsets and habits that you've kind of had to adjust to like making this new life work? Oh, that is such a great question. I think, I feel like the most recent lesson that I've been learning is to look at challenges through that law of abundance versus like scarcity. I feel like you kind of touched on that. Like when tough things happen, I feel like so many things have been like that recently, rather than like focusing on those things and being irritated by them or like kind of brewing about that, focus on like the most minute silver lining possible. Like if there is a shred of silver lining, grab onto that and like magnify it. I feel like that has been really powerful for me and it's really present right now in my life. I think that's great. That's great advice. So a lot of your passion is really helping to educate and empower women, which is like we're in the same boat on that one. And I think it's so important. It's such an important topic. Why is it your passion? Like what makes it so much on your heart? I think as I just walked through it and I ran into problems earlier in life and kind of intensely, and I was pretty blind to the way that maybe like as a more healthy, um, uh, healthy choices or healthy routes, And so now it's just my passion to educate women to be more prepared than I was and maybe to prevent some of the the problems that I ran into. So yeah, that's, I guess that's why I feel so passionate about it is because like I ran into a lot of these issues earlier in life. And I think the money aspect of it is so powerful. And I feel like you know, I feel like our generation is really changing the conversation and empowering women more and more with, you know, knowing where their money is going and being financially savvy and, you know, being more career focused and, you know, all of these types of things. And what are some tips that you like to share with women on, you know, their financial savviness and things like that? That is a great question. So I think that it's typical for women to like not take a step back and kind of see what's going on in the bigger financial picture for their family because this maternal instinct kicks in and we put our kids first. And then that lasts for like almost the core part of our working career. Um, And because of that, like we're not, we don't, typically take as intentional action or planning with our finances as really what is optimal. And so my most basic tip for women is to not stick your head in the sand. I think that that is just a really common theme that I see is I have too much going on. I have my mortgage to pay and my all my bills to pay. I have all these kids activities. My one kid has issues with this and the other has this. Then on top of it, 
financial conversations cause marital strife. So like, I am, I just cannot deal with this right now. I'm going to put it on the back burner and deal with it later. Uh, that mm-hmm. is so common. And there's like always kind of different ingredients that lead up to that ultimate kind of action of, of inertia. But ultimately it just ends up in inertia because we don't make any change because of one of those reasons. So my first um, piece of advice is to stop putting things off for a, like a better time because by the, the time the better time happens, what pe- what women say at that stage is they look back and say, I really wish that I would have been more intentional about this stuff back 20 years ago. And so yeah. if you start now with just like, understanding what's going on and like if you don't have a plan come up with a plan it's so basic but it is incredibly powerful another thing is you know if typically in a marriage like if you're in a partnership in a marriage maybe one partner is better at like finances than the other and so then they just say you handle it all honey because this is what you're good at and what I want to encourage you if if that's you that's putting it off on your spouse is to not completely outsource that. Even if you're not comfortable with investments, with numbers, with bank accounts, with bills and all that, you should at least understand what you have going on. You should understand what you have coming in with income, where your expenses are going out to and what you have in savings. Like, like, do you have retirement accounts? Do you have savings accounts? Do you have life insurance? Like all these issues you should understand just basically what's going on and don't use the excuse. I'm not good with numbers. Watch what you say. Don't put negative words in your mouth because there's power in that. And you start believing that it's not true. Like you, you are very (laughs) capable of understanding all of this at a basic level. And a lot of it is fear of the unknown because these things are new to you and the vocabulary is different and there there are some complicated concepts. We just shy away from it. Find someone who's good at it that can explain it to you because it is totally understandable with the right explanation. I would say that. And then lastly, I know I'm giving you a lot here. Open an account. Get some sort of investment account, whatever, but have it be in your name. And why I want it to be in your name is because it's going to force you to understand some of this stuff. Like when you, when you open an account in your name, you're, you're going to have to choose like maybe how you invest it or, you know, whatever. Find someone to help you to figure out that, to, how to answer those questions in order for you to get to the next step because that exercise is going to force you to understand some things and you'll have the added benefit of being more financially prepared. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And that is totally how we are. My husband is the way of, he's like, you know, numbers aren't my thing. You're good at this. You do this, you know, he's like, you do it. And I'm always, I'm constantly like, but what if, what if something happens? What would you do? Like, what would you do? You don't even know like how to log into our accounts and like all this stuff. So either, either way, whichever partner, you know, is more savvy at it, that I think the other partner still needs to know a little bit of what's going on and have that conversation. And I see that a lot. And, or, you know, I even see women who are just like, you know what? I got this. You don't need to know like any of it. It happens both ways. Yes, it does. I think it's so important to just like, keep that, keep that conversation going all the time. I have a tip for you. What? 
Um, so this is for regardless of which spouse is better with the numbers, yeah. but a really great tip for people who are in marriage um, is to do a net worth statement every year. Yes. Have you ever done that? Yes. Okay. It seems so simple and it's like, how is this going to help us? Or maybe it seems intimidating. Like, I don't know how to fill this out. You can just Google like a net worth template and print it out and then have a date night and fill it out. This is so powerful because it's going to, it's going to walk you through like what you have and what you don't have and what you owe. Mm -hmm. And um, then when you do this on a yearly basis with your spouse, you start to see the number shift and it is empowering because it gives you like hope and momentum to keep going down that road to keep, you know, if you're, if you're doing any self-discipline to save or think things like that, it compounds the, the momentum by seeing the progress that you're making year after year. Yeah. It really helps you like zoom out. Mm -hmm. And with us, I'm more of just like, I'll just kind of update my husband every once in a while. Cause he's like, he doesn't really care. He's like, Hey, cool. The bills are paid, you know, whatever. The net worth is really what keeps him motivated and interested. Like that's really what he cares most about. He's like, I want to see that big number grow. I want to know that I'm one year closer to retirement. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the year, I was, um, I told him, you know, how much our net worth had grown. And he was like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, sweet. That's so awesome. And it was like his whole year of work was validated, you know? Nice job. That is great. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I just think that's a really awesome tip. Okay. I want to pause right there for just a second. I teased in the beginning of this episode that I was going to tell you guys how you could download my new net worth freebie worksheet. So now I'm going to tell you, there is a link in the show notes where you can get this Google sheets worksheet. And as Christina and I were talking about how to calculate your net worth, I thought you guys, I don't have a worksheet for this. So I do now, and it is free for you guys. So go and download it. You're going to love it. It is a really simple one page worksheet where you can input all of your deposit accounts, your personal property, also take inventory of your liabilities, and then it will automatically calculate your assets minus your liability to give you your net worth. Then you can plug in your net worth as you go throughout the year, including the date, and it can give you a really nice graph. So you might see me share on Facebook or Instagram as our net worth grows and you see my really pretty yellow chart where you can see the growth of my net worth. Well, I set you guys up a graph and a worksheet just like this so you can calculate your own net worth. Okay, so jump over to the show notes and find the link for freebie net worth worksheet under the resources mentioned. Or as always, you can go to a sunnysideuplife.com and click the freebie button on the top taskbar. Okay guys, let's jump back into the interview. So, Let's see. So what are some things that we should think about more since we're kind of on the topic of like zooming out, looking at the big picture. So what are some more things that we should think about with the future, you know, as mothers and women? So just to review, we talked about not sticking your head in the sand. We talked about, um, you know, getting comfortable with what you have going on, asking for help if you are not comfortable with it. Um, and then just to expound more on that a little bit, financial advisors are not for rich people only. Like everybody should get help if, if yeah, you are yeah. not comfortable with the DIY financial planning because it can really change your game. 
And then lastly, we talked about opening up an investment account or something like that in your own name. I think that another thing that could help is, well, maybe not so so much help, but something that mothers should be doing is um, making sure that you have your ducks in a row as far as estate planning. Again, estate planning is not for old people or rich people. It's, it's for everybody. So looking at a will, looking at possibly creating a trust, making sure that the beneficiaries on your accounts are updated. You know, just as moms, I know that we don't like to think about this kind of thing, but it is our responsibility to make sure that like our little ones are taken care of, like if something were to happen to us. So get it done once and then you feel like you have kind of some weight lifted off your shoulders there. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. You know, we, once we kind of started getting everything organized and we were like, you know, I had no life insurance and my husband had his, you know, through his company and I had none. And I was like, well, do I really need it? You know, I don't bring in income. And he was like, yeah, but what would I do if I lost you? Like, how would I take care of the kids? And that was a huge weight off of him when yeah. I got, when I got my own life insurance, cause he was like, at least I would be able to afford full-time childcare. Like I would be able to do this and that. And then coming up with a will as much as like, who would be our beneficiaries? Who, where would our kids go? You know, if, if we were to both pass at the same time, like, you know, and just having that conversation and a lot of people see it as really morbid or like jinxing it. I've heard so many people say, well, I don't want to jinx it. What do you mean jinx it? Like, you know that, you know that it's going to happen like eventually, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not really jinxing it. And to me, I'm like, I want to, I know, I know who my kids will go to and I know that they will have enough money to be taken care of. And that just brings me so much peace. I don't feel morbid or like I jinxed it at all. I feel like I'm being a really financially responsible mother. <laughs> Yes. I can't agree more. It's nice to hear that from your perspective. Cause like I, I preach that, but you know, it means something different coming from you because it's absolutely true. Yeah. And I think just, you know, kind of as like the non-income earning parent, I used to feel like, well, I don't really have a a worth. Like I, I don't need my life to be insured. But then I was like, wait, I actually do. So, you know, just encouragement to other stay-at-home moms, like you, you still have a worth, you still have a life that's worth insuring, you know, even if you're not the income provider. Right. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And there is a lot of science behind that. So well said. Yeah. You've probably seen the memes. That's like, if we paid mom everything that she was worth and it was like cab driver, maid, laundry, Yeah. And that's like not even going into like your regular job, your career. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Crazy, crazy. So what are some other things um, that, you know, as parents, we need to make sure that are in our budget? Oh, that's a great question. Well, you know, college savings is an issue that really just depends on the family. Some families think, Um, you know, I want to pay for all my kids school, other kids or other parents say, um, I want to pay for in state tuition and books for my kids, but anything else they're responsible for and other parents, you know, just say that's not in within my budget. So I just want to start by saying, there's no shame in any answer that you select there. It's a really personalized decision that you make in your family or on your own. And 
please do not feel any shame with what you decide there. I would say that it is more important to put your, like have your own plan before you put too much emphasis on that. Because I do see that people who put too much emphasis on like completely funding their children's education, but then not planning accordingly for their own retirement. They then, at, when their kids leave the nest, are not at all prepared for retirement. And then they have this whole new burden that they feel. So it is important to kind of take like a longer term perspective and kind of like fit everything into the puzzle and come up with something that works that makes kind of like everybody's financial life better. Yeah. So that's one. Do you have anything to say there? I just think that we're one of those people that are, we kind of have a mixed feeling on the college saving and the, you know, I, I went to call, I have my bachelor's and my husband didn't. And now he is earning way more with his career than I could have earned actually using my degree. And so we're kind of like, eh, which I feel like a lot of millennial parents are kind of feeling that same way. A lot of us are like, you know, we carried that student loan debt and we're like, a lot of us aren't even using our degrees and mm -hmm. so we're kind of getting this new perspective. And so we personally are kind of doing, um, I've heard it put more eloquently, but like a future, a future savings. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a certain age, you can do what you want with this money. If you want to start a business, if you want to go to college, that would be great. And we're kind of going to take more of a organic, see how it looks for each kid kind of approach. And I've, I've seen a lot more people doing that mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of letting, letting the future happen and see how it goes from there. Right. Cause if you don't want to tie it to be required that they go to school, there are different types of accounts out there. So good job, like, you know, figuring that out and starting on it. You're awesome, girl. I just don't want to force them into student loan debt if that's not their path, you know? And I think a lot of us, a lot of us were raised that like, if you're going to be successful in life, you have to go to college regardless of how much it costs. And now that we're kind of on the other side of this, like we're getting like into our thirties and forties and we're like, um, that wasn't hundred percent true actually. <laughs> so oh my goodness. Yes. We're really like, we got to see this through. Like that would be great if you're going to go into a career that you need your degree for, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And you know, so we're going to see how that goes. It's going to be really interesting when all of our kids are college age, what it is like, it's going to be a different world. It's going to yeah. be so, it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. I know I want to make it kind of my goal to start speaking to high school students to prep them on choosing careers that have the be or be go in eyes wide open with what to expect mm -hmm. with the major that they're choosing because I don't know what you majored in but what I majored in I could not make even find a job or make a decent living doing that like I honestly would have made way more money being a plumber mm -hmm. and so I do want to like somehow reach these high school students so that they can see what the a what the demand is for that job when they go into it and what the salary expectations are maybe even dependent on like what state they want to live in so that they go in eyes wide open like why get a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt when you're going to be making forty thousand dollars a yeah. year Yes, you can make that work, but it's a heavy burden. Exactly. Yeah. I got, I got a degree in history and I was going to be a teacher and then I decided not to be a teacher. So that would have been great if I would have went on to be a teacher, but then without the teaching certificate, 
you can basically work at a museum. <laughs> I mean, and we live in a really small town. That's not really a career here. So it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of one of those kind of degrees. But then, you know, my, my sister on the, on the other hand, she's a CPA and she absolutely could not have her job without her degree. So it's, right. you know, I have both perspectives very close there. So I want my kids to be able to see that and like what you're saying that that is so I'm just, I'm really curious about how the next couple of generations are going to go into college age and the workforce and they're going to go into it with a way different perspective than our generation had for sure. Right. And I don't know what counseling is like nowadays, but I know that um, I think my parents were assuming that the counselors at school would educate us with this stuff and they didn't No, And so, yeah, I don't know if that's changed, but I know I am not assuming that anyone else is going to teach my kids this. Like I am going to do it. Well, and for me personally, I was the very first one to go to college on both sides of my family and I'm the oldest child and neither one of my parents had graduated college. And so everything was a brand new territory and my poor parents, like they, they did their best, like they tried and, and to them, like, you know, then we were just preached, like, just go to college. Like you've just got to go to college because neither one of them had been, I was the first generation. It was a really big deal, but there wasn't a lot of thought of what happens after college. <laughs> yeah. So it got a little better by the time my sister, who's six years younger than me, we learned a lot in those six years. And we kind of like, as a family, we're like, okay, go in this direction. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's see what else. I just want to know really like what are some of your goals for the future and like what lessons you have learned through just the rock bottom moments and everything in between and what you'll be taking really into the future with you and what are some of your future goals? Yes, I hitting rock bottom like that. I never ever want to go through that process again, but I did learn that those hard times is the, is the opportunity to develop grit, which then when you kind of get out of that valley and start going into like more normal life problems, that grit allows you to advance beyond what you normally would be capable of. It just kind of propels your growth. And so um, I just would encourage everybody to lean in during those tough times and have you keep that sense of hope that, that the tough times will end and that, you know, if you can um, develop that grit during those tough times, boy, sky is the limit for you afterwards. So that's what I'm doing right now, trying to balance all this stuff going on. I really want to get my, my, finish my PhD and, you know, still do great with my career. And then all the while, you know, being a great parent and, and having a great relationship with my, my kids. And it's just that, that balance that all of us moms are just trying to find and, you know, yeah. that, we have career goals and we have family goals and motherhood goals and personal goals. And it's just like constant juggling. Yeah. Which is why, like what going back to what we were talking about, which is why it's so easy to push off find personal financial planning. Cause we have all these goals and our lives are so full and busy and we're pulled in so many different directions. But I think that's what I just want to kind of leave off on is, um, 
don't let that be an excuse to not be intentional about your your personal finances. Because if you do kind of assign goals and and address some of those issues, it will work for you in multiples long term. It starts to really spill over into every other aspect. So when you get control of this, it helps you be more confident to get to control of that. And then you're just going up the staircase there and it really does help every aspect. So yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. I think that's really encouraging. So I just really want to thank you for taking the time to hang out with us and share your story and everything that you shared with us. Thank you, Sammy. I really enjoyed your insight. Thank you. All right, guys, that is all for me. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message. If you haven't already, please leave a review and subscribe. Reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye, guys.